Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Hello to everyone watching online. You know, when I look at over the congregation, the same as the first service, the Holy Spirit just as I was looking at people, I just saw there are many needs represented in our church. And even outside the walls of our church, people are facing a lot of serious, sometimes challenging circumstances. And honestly, to face them, you're never the same if you're going to face them victoriously. We need more. When we go through something that has been a new challenge for our lives, the faith we existed on prior is it enough for the faith we need now? With all my heart, I believe God wants our faith to be ever-growing. Our strength, we go from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. And so if we find ourselves plateauing, something's wrong in any of our lives. And that's when we need to say, Lord, I need to get to the next level and I can't do it alone. Would you please help me? I pray that all the time. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Help me to be the man of God. Help me to be the father. Help me to be the husband. Help me to be the pastor. Help me, Lord. You know, life, you only get one shot at it, right? When it's done, it's done. Eternity begins for those of us in Christ in the presence of God. For those without Christ, an eternity in hell is not a place I want to go. How about you? And so we need to make sure that we're giving the Holy Spirit opportunity to take us higher, to enlarge our faith. You know, and and that begins by believing. How many of you believe that God still performs the miraculous? I do too with all my heart. This message, I know it's prophetic for today. I know that. First service, I felt just such a spiritual opposition, not from the people. The altars were filled. But I felt an opposition from the enemy, and I know he was not pleased with my message, which I say, glory to God for that. I'm not here to please the devil. I'm here to please our Lord and Savior, like all of you and those of you worshiping online. But I felt an opposition because I really believe with all of my heart that the church of Jesus Christ, which includes all of us here, We are on the verge of something very special. We are, and I I cry out, Lord, may we all be a part of it. And so when we understand that God has more for us, honestly, it means also understanding that the same God who parted the Red Sea. How many of you believe He parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through on dry ground? How many believe it? I believe it too. And the same God who brought down the walls of Jericho. You know what brought those walls down? It wasn't explosives in key structural areas so that it would collapse like a demolition of a, of a high-rise. It was simply the power of praise and worship. The one thing the devil wants to shut down is our worship. And worship is much bigger than just music. Worship actually is about relationship. Here's the true word you'll find in the Hebrew. It means obedience. 
That means when we're obedient with our gifts and abilities, when we're the best employee we can be at our jobs, didn't it say in Scripture, Paul said in Colossians 3, I think it's verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. That means how we work, how we work our timelines, how we are when no one else is looking and we're performing our duties, how we are as a husband, as a wife, how we are in honoring God to worship Him, let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. Coming to church. Scripture says, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints, as some are in the habit of doing. That's Scripture. And so that's an act of worship when we come to church. It's an act of worship when we spend our money wisely and we support the ministry the way Scripture is taught. That's obedience. In fact, Samuel the prophet said to, to Saul, King Saul, when he held back the best of the spoil after a victory with the enemy armies that oppose Israel, when he held back the best of the flocks, he held back the king as a trophy. It was all about Saul. Finally, God sends Samuel to Saul. He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Sometimes I think we try to substitute our worship or our obedience with uh, deeds as far as, well, I know I should do this, but hey, I, I'm going to do this instead to compensate. He said, I, I was going to sacrifice the flocks for, you know, for, for, for the Lord Jehovah. And God wasn't interested in those flocks. He was interested in obedience, which is worship. So I really believe that God is getting ready to take the church into a new place, a place that for decades they've not been there. That's why we're beginning to see outbreaks of revival here and there. Why? Because God is breaking through the atmosphere in certain regions, but it's in response. Did you hear that word? Everybody say response. It's in response to the cry of His people. How many of you want more? I mean, do you want the same old, same old? If we really want more, that means we don't take and, and reference what God is about to do now based upon what he did yesterday. Scripture says, behold, I do a new thing. He's been saying that from generation to generation. And now I find it no accident that what God is beginning to do is just starting with just young people gathering together. And it's growing. No organization can take credit for it. No preacher or evangelist can take credit for it. It's just simply people, hungry hearts, crying to God right where they are. And God is piercing the darkness because He's responding to the cry. What began with 20 young people, God's responding. I think we as old folks, middle-of-the-road folks, and other attendee young folks we can learn from that don't you think we can learn cry out cry out and i believe in response to this cry that's what activates the miracles of god change lives bondage is broken it is not god's will for people to be bound by mental illness sickness and disease addictions of all sorts that's not his will it's not his will that any should perish it's not His will that anyone be under the thumb of Satan. It's not His will that homes are breaking apart. Marriages are dissolving. That's not God's will. God is good. And whatever He places His hand upon prospers. 
He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That's what I want. And that's why we need to say, Lord, I believe all of this, but take me to that new place. And getting to that new place is through the pathway of prayer. It's astounding. You, you, you have a musical presentation. I'm just talking in general, you know, in the Christian church. This is not aimed just at this place. It's just a principle. But it's amazing. You bring in a big name. You have an event with free food or you have a, a musical presentation of some of the best known artists that are you know, ministering and, and active in today's climate, and all these people will show up. But then when you call for a, a solemn assembly for prayer, uh, that's just Satan's approach and, and his plan to keep us from the very thing that is the pathway to open the heavens. And honestly, prayer isn't something that we orchestrate. It's just a cry of the heart. It's just a cry of the heart. I got saved during the Jesus movement. It changed me forever. So much so that I, could, I left my father's business and I just knew I couldn't do anything other than serve Jesus through full-time ministry. We can serve Jesus without full-time ministry. Isn't that what many in our church are doing? Somebody say amen. amen. But sometimes God sets people apart to where that's all they do. They leave the marketplace and all that they do is focus on the ministry God has called them to do. And so when, when we take it, we understand that God wants to use us. God wants to make a difference. And when we begin to see what's happening in our climate, the last great outpouring I can remember is the whole outpouring that happened in Toronto and then Pensacola, Florida. I went to both. I was impacted when I went to Toronto experience the presence of God the Father. Many have referred to that move as the Father's blessing. My life was changed forever. My book, The Father Revealed, was birthed through my encounter with God the Father in Toronto, Canada. But since then, there's been a little here, a little there. Honestly, our encounter with God can't be like Brill Cream. What do you mean? Little dabble, do you? How many remember that marketing strategy? Little dab will do you. We don't need a little dab. We need to be doused in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Do you know when David was anointed king over Israel, he was just a teenager, a boy, 17 years old. And it wasn't like a little bit of olive oil from the ram's horn. He got the whole container. It poured over his head, ran down his body. That's what we need from Almighty God. One person at a time. Not just the pastor, not the leader. Everyone that is a believer in Jesus Christ and has professed his name. God wants to pour the horn of oil over all of us. He does. That's the only thing that's going to change some of the obstacles that we're facing some of you and your families, you've got some tough things going on. Prayers that you have prayed, you can't remember how many years it's been. But I believe with all my heart when the atmosphere fully changes. And I believe we're on the verge of the great harvest of souls before the return of Jesus. I do. I believe that with all of my being. And so in order to encounter that, we've got to make room. We've got to say, Lord, 
What are you saying? Lord, what do you want to do through me? Remove every expectation. And just say yes and be hungry. Be hungry. Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said those who, are, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. Get hungry. And if you feel like you're not as hungry as you should be, ask God. This is the only time it's a good thing to pray for an enlarged appetite. Right? You can't put on body fat with a spiritual appetite for Almighty God. So you can't ever overeat in the Spirit. More, more, more. And when these miracles are activated, it comes through prayer. But you know what happens? God then activates in us, not just faith, but the total of my message, unstoppable faith. Now here's an important principle. And I'm so glad when I see many people with your Bibles out there and you're taking notes. Listen, let's get back to old school. It's nothing like holding the Word of God in your hands. Amen? When technology fails, you don't have screens behind you. And this is not a word of condemnation. This is just your pastor being your mentor. Same with those worshiping online. Get your Bible out. But you'll find God is a faith God. How many believe that? That's why without faith it's impossible to please Him. Why? Because He's a faith God. Think of it this way also. He's not only a faith God, but faith is the language of God. He hears faith. He responds to faith. And when we understand this, then when we speak God's language, He understands and He hears and He responds. Why? Because then it changes our whole spiritual vision. We stop looking at what's happening in the natural. And we see what's happening in the heavenlies. First service was difficult for me to preach. I said to Cindy, I said, did you feel like anything was going on? I just felt like a spiritual resistance. I did. I felt it. It was real. I went to the girls. Don't you just appreciate Chelsea and Amanda? Aren't they incredible? They are such a blessing. I went to the ladies and I said to them, I said, man, I just felt like a spiritual wall. Satan really didn't want this message to come out. And I felt in my spirit a resistance, not from the people. The altars were flooded. They were, they were filled. People crying out. But I felt something up there. And they said, we felt it too, Pastor. We've been feeling an opposition all week. And I said, well, I need to go back in my office because I'm going to go in there and deal with that thing and come back up and give the same word and anything beyond that the Holy Spirit wants. And there is the same resistance against you, and that's why you, your faith level needs to elevate. You know, your unstoppable faith is tenacious. It's like a bulldog. It latches on. It doesn't let go. Chokes the life out of the stronghold of hell. And when we embrace that, things that have really been harassing, maybe there's some, some of you even watching online, maybe there's a certain habit that is ungodly that you've been wrestling with or even thoughts of sin or even thoughts of self-destruction and you just can't escape it. You need to release unstoppable faith, bulldog faith that will grab onto the neck of that demonic stronghold and choke the life out of it in Jesus' name. And then you'll see that thing break and crumble. That is the standard and that is what God desires. To coexist with bondage, with weakness, with fear, with doubt, with unbelief is ungodly. God doesn't want us coexisting with sin or with weakness or thoughts of failure, inadequacy. I can do 
I feel the presence of God. I don't know about you, but this is a different atmosphere this service. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that. How about you? Come on. Come on. Be verbal. God wants to hear the praises of his people. Everything is possible. Whatever you've been facing, you don't have to live with it. Bring it to God. Man, I, I, I have just known so many people through the years that when they have encountered the presence of the Lord and stepped into unstoppable faith, man, addictions have broken. Your habits have changed. Faith levels have grown. It's astounding. It's amazing what God can do when we latch on to him with our faith. God's here to help us, not to hurt us. He's your friend. He's your friend. Don't believe what you feel. Believe what he says. Amen? So I want to talk about that unstoppable faith and how prayer accompanies, is joined, combined with it. So our text this morning is Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And that's a prayer meeting, don't you think? And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all, say that, all. No exclusion, all inclusive. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they were already born again. They were already baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some who are in this audience, in this portion of Scripture, they were from the 120 in the upper room. And then on the day of Pentecost, when Peter took it to the streets, 3,000 were added that day to the Lamb's Book of Life. They confessed Christ. So these are Christians, born again by the Holy Spirit, baptized with fire. Hallelujah. But yet... It says they were filled. That's really something to take note of. They've been walking in the Lord. They're in the midst and height of revival that the Jews and the earth had never seen at that point in time of history. Word of God, the promises of Jesus being fulfilled. Yet they got filled again. They were all filled. Man, that just says to me, we can't ever drink the well dry. You know what? We leak. And because we leak, we constantly need to say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Fill me again. Be constantly filled with the Spirit. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God. See, notice what began with a baptism of fire, then transitioned to a baptism of anointing with the message. See, the fire is always there to empower the message. Did you hear me? The fire was not the stopping point. Check that off the bucket list. The fire was so that the anointing could grow and then the word through our lips. These weren't all clergy that, that were serving the Lord. It was just people who found Jesus and they knew they were just as called as the apostles. The elders and deacons that were later established by the apostle Paul. They were all filled and they spoke the word. They became the mouthpiece of God. They said, Lord, use me. They shared the anointing. You know what happens when you give the anointing away? When you give the anointing God's placed on you to others, your anointing grows. Why? Because you cannot give God. 
perfect example in the natural is the little boy who gave the loaves and fishes to Jesus. He gave it all. And he went home with 12 baskets. He started with one, went home with 12. Can you imagine that? Six in this arm, six in that arm. Just making his way home and it gets to his parents. What did you do? You know, that's what parents usually think. What did you do when they see something like that? And she, he told them about Jesus. The miracle of multiplication. Couldn't help give Jesus. Same thing, when we are sharing our faith, when we're active in the church and outside of the church, you'll never outgive God with your time. You'll never outgive God with your abilities and your anointings. You'll never outgive God with your generosity. He anoints us so that we can spread the word with boldness. And the fire is there to empower us. So at times when you're sharing the word with boldness, then there's the fire, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so that you can speak them. They were for the personal use over other lives, not just reserved for a sacred assembly, but also right in the marketplace. People have said to me, I've had encounters, and Cindy as well, they'll say, will you pray for me? I'll be right in the middle of wherever it is. And I said, I'll pray for you right now. I lay hands on them, and I release the anointing of Jesus, and pray for them to encounter the love and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God in whatever area of their life they need it. You see, I get this, but I want to get it more. And God wants His church, and, and what's about to happen? We're just experiencing the beginning tricklings. But what really is about to happen, nationwide and worldwide, there's reports of pockets in Europe and other countries the church in China has been experiencing this ahead of us. Because where there's great persecution, there's great need. And when there's great need, there's desperation. And when there's desperation, you cry out to the Lord. And God is honoring that. But we are on the verge. I know we are on the verge of something so significant from God. End time revival for an end time harvest. For an end time church that will be his workforce. And I tell you. I'm so glad I live in this day and age. I'm so glad I'm in the ministry. I would not want to be sidelined in any way. I thank God that he's going to use me till I draw my last breath as an old, 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 old man. Or the rapture. I'll take the rapture first. Because sometimes I'm finding the older I get, it takes me a little longer to get off the floor when I'm playing with the dog or the grandkids. How many of you sort of take a little bit longer getting up from the floor than when you were about 20 or 30 years of age? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God has not lost confidence in his ability. Sometimes, you know, the natural tendency, I brought this out last week in my message. People say, where are the miracles? You know, where are all the signs? Where are the signs and wonders? Where are all the miraculous things that I, I've heard of and I've read about and I've experienced some of them maybe early on years ago? But where are they now? And, and, and people begin to lose confidence in the presence of God and his abilities. I, I've got news for all of us, including me. God has not lost confidence in his ability, even when people lose confidence in his ability. He's still on the throne. If something's not working, you've just got to pray. I do this all the time. Lord, am I doing anything to create this blockage? Right? No different than the natural. You eat certain foods, it slows your digestive system down. So if you don't want to slow it down, what do you do? You eat things with fiber and you begin to, you know, have a diet that allows your system to flow like it's supposed to flow. And spiritually, it's no, no different. You know, we need to spiritually feed ourselves 
with that which will not cause us to create a block between heaven and where we are on earth. Amen? Prepare the way of the Lord. So God hasn't changed. He hasn't lost confidence in his abilities, and neither should we. Now, this portion of Scripture I just read, this transpired after Peter and John had gone to the temple in the ninth hour of the day to pray. There was a crippled man who always sat at the temple gate begging for alms. The man was in his 40s, so he had been in that condition for many, many years. He had no way of gaining employment. Physically, he was challenged. He couldn't. So his only way to provide for his needs, his needs were to take and to be a beggar and take whatever that was, at least to find bread and, and beverage, uh, nutrition, water, hydration for his daily needs. And Peter and John, they would always go to the temple to pray. They were committed. They understood. We don't forsake going to God's table. We don't, don't forsake. Even though it's in the temple and there are many people who don't believe in Yeshua, Jesus, we do. So we will go there and honor the Lord. And so like every other time they had seen this man, they had probably given to his needs in the past, which is good. We should help the underprivileged. We should do that. That's a godly thing, charity. But this time something was different. See, this is where the anointing comes in. You know, we got to be sensitive and to know when God is saying something different this time. And when they walked in, the man begged for alms, and, and then a miracle was released. The man was healed instantly, ran into the temple, and he started praising the Lord. And then after that, when this miracle had been released, the religious leaders, who then later found out it was Peter and John exercising the name of Jesus, they were outraged because Jesus will always make a religious spirit look bad. Why? Because Jesus first is God, but second, he was never about himself. He was always about the Father. Not my will, but yours be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Who? The Father's. On earth as it is in heaven, the words I speak are not of my own, but the words of him who sent me. So Jesus never elevated himself. He always gave glory to God the Father. And so for the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, they were always about themselves. In fact, do you know what the motivating thought was for crucifying Jesus? If you go into John's gospel, you'll find it. And they said, we know this man is from God because no one can do what he does unless God was with him. But if we don't stop him, his message, his ministry, this is what they said, we'll lose our place, their position, and our position. The place meaning the temple, they deified the temple in Jerusalem. And their position, they deified. They loved the, the attention that they received from being a spiritual holy man in Judaism. So if he continues, all that they're used to, all that they know, all that they have, see, they were thinking from this rather than this. We'll lose it. So that's when the plan was devised to crucify Jesus, to stop his message. So they thought they had completed that. They knew the resurrection story from their perspective, not truth, but they deemed it as a story that had been contracted to, to take and, and, and to lead people astray to keep this Jesus movement alive. Well, isn't it astounding? Here we are 2,000 plus years later, and Jesus is still moving. Somebody say amen. amen. So they just contracted this, this, this 
this whole storyline to try and take away any credibility from the message of the resurrection. And then all of a sudden, here are these two apostles, followers of, of this Jesus from their perspective. And they said the man, meeting the, the, the man himself who was crippled, he says, he was healed when they said the name of Jesus over his body. So when they finally found Peter and John, right, they grabbed him, they beat him, and then they command him never to preach in that name ever again. But look at how, look at how they responded to the religious leaders. Acts 4.10, let it be known to you all and to the, all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I mean, they just didn't say Jesus Christ. They even placed his location so anybody who may have remembered him from being from Nazareth, they, they would see extreme precision and identification. But by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. I mean, they, they were emphatic. That was that boldness that we read about earlier. They had walked the road of weakness and failure and renunciation when Jesus was crucified and they fled and hid for their lives. And once the day of Pentecost, once the Holy Spirit had come on them, they were not going to hold back. They were not going to walk that same road again, experience that shame and that pain. So without hesitation, they made this proclamation. You see, in the face of opposition, what were they? They were fearless. And when they shared their testimony with the Acts Church after they had been beaten for the name of Jesus, commanded never to preach in that name or teach in that name again, they went back to the Christians who had been praying for them earlier, and they shared their testimony, and then that is what began to ignite a prayer meeting. A Holy Ghost prayer meeting broke out. Let's take a look at the prayer. The same people who had crucified Jesus, honestly, they could have done the same to Peter and John. But God's grace, because God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. Oh, that didn't sound so confident. One more time. God has a plan. Come on. There, that's the voice of faith right there. Amen. He does. And he has a plan for you. Trust me, he does. Satan is not in control. You're not in control. You can slow God down. I can slow God down. But God ultimately is omnipotent, all-powerful. And he always fulfills his purposes and his plan. So I know no one here wants to slow God down. I don't. And those of you watching online, you wouldn't be watching this broadcast right now if that was your heart to slow God down. So how many of you want to learn how to remove every opposition, every hindrance, every obstacle so that everything God has for you, that plan can be fulfilled. How many want that? Say amen. 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 And that's why the book of Acts Church, they were thrilled because the same people who had beaten John and Peter were the same ones who had beaten and crucified Jesus. They could have done the same to these two apostles. But God knew that the early church, they needed spiritual strength, spiritual leaders. They were in their beginning stages. They were fledgling. They were weak. They needed doctrine. Doctrine's important. Everybody, you know, I, I love good praise and worship, but listen, if I had to choose between worship or at least music or the Word, I'd always choose the Word because the Word's going to bring me through. But then when the Word is anointing the music, that is a, is a dynamic 
team effort. Amen? And so here they are. They knew they could have been put to death. And then when God came through, this early church just being formed and fashioned, they were ecstatic. They were so grateful. Lord, you are indeed faithful. Lord, you are indeed in control. Thank you that no weapon formed against us, as Isaiah 54, 17 says, because they did have the Old Testament. The New was just being written. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And they went with that confidence. And that's the kind of prayer that was being released in that prayer meeting. So you can understand, again, the, the joint excitement when the church heard Peter and John's testimony of this crippled man being supernaturally, instantaneously healed, strengthened on his feet again. And then how the man ran in and was testifying, I was healed by the name of Jesus through these two apostles. People were touched. They were moved. In fact, the reason they didn't imprison Peter and John, says in Scripture, was because all of the people marveled and they believed the miracle that had happened. Because many of them, they knew him at that gate for years, for decades. And so because, like any typical politician would do, the popularity would have come against them, so they let Peter and John go, and then they refused to talk about that miracle any longer. Hallelujah. God's faithful, isn't he? Look at how they prayed once. They rejoiced. Peter and John shared their testimony, God's faithfulness. Look at how it affected the prayer of all of the people gathered there. Acts 4, 29, 30. This is what they prayed. Now, Lord, look on their hearts and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What were they doing? They were praying for more. Everybody say more, Lord. More. Say it again. More, Lord. more, Lord. They were praying for more. Now, you would have thought, hey, we've arrived. But they understand that this filling of the Holy Spirit, this anointing, this oil that God desires to saturate, not a few, but all of His church, all of His believers, we're all sons and daughters because of the blood of Jesus. And so they prayed, not saying, well, we're finally there, hallelujah, let's have a banquet. No, they said, Lord, this is just the beginning. Lord, we pray for more. God loves when we hunger and when we thirst for Him because He goes, Hey, Peter, John, who are in heaven now. Hey, we get to fill some more people. Listen to this group gathered here crying out for more. Say they're hungry and they're thirsty. They're praying my word so I can bless them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not for position, not for acclaim, but for righteousness, holiness. To be right with God and to do the right things in our lifestyle. Make a difference. Be about others rather than narcissistic. Always about ourselves. Listen to them, Peter. Listen to them, John. The same impact, the prayer you prayed when you were released after being beaten and commanded never to speak in my name, they're following the same format 2,000 years later. They're asking for more boldness, more anointing, so that they can share the word with boldness. See, I love... Again, every revival, move of God, even up to where we're beginning to witness now, it always extends itself from a place to the streets. Always. Real revival can't be contained. There's a lot of people who want the Holy Spirit to show up and entertain them. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. We should pray that. 
But then what do we do when we walk out the doors? Does our message change? Does our lifestyle change? Does our passion change for Jesus? Do we contain the message? Or do we take what we receive here, as well as when we're alone in his presence, to the marketplace, to our community, to our schools? You know what's really happening? God is bypassing organizations. He's bypassing governments. Everywhere they say you can't pray or you can't do this or do that, God is just invading. Say, well, you may stop other people, but you can't stop me. They call me almighty for a reason. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me get back on track. I'm excited today. Look at how they prayed. They prayed that the Lord would give them even more boldness. You see, they really understood at that point that everything Jesus had promised, it was coming to pass. When you begin to see answers to prayer manifesting, maybe some things you prayed for for years, and now it's happening, doesn't that get you excited? And so here they had heard Jesus said, you will do greater things than me in my name. That's the key. In my name. So they're excited. They're seeing this come to pass. They're seeing the greater things Jesus spoke of. And this is what inspired the church to pray with, title my message again, unstoppable faith. This kind of prayer, you know what it does? It makes the impossible possible. That's why Jesus said all, poss all things are possible with me, if you believe, if you believe. Here's a few prayer quotes, just a couple, that I really was impacted by from some of the... Uh, Spiritual mentors in my life, never meant them, uh, personally one-on-one, -on -one, but I've read their, their works, their writings. First, we have one by Billy Graham. How many just, just respect the message, the ministry, and the integrity of Billy Graham? He knew the Lord. Success and numbers, it didn't turn him away from Jesus. It made him desire Jesus even more. And he said this about revival and prayer. He says, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. That's overwhelming. He knew. Why do you think God entrusted so much? He knew. E.M. Bounds, how many have heard of him? One of the best expositors on prayer. I would encourage you to go on Amazon and order some of his books. He has a whole series on prayer. I have them all in my, my library at my home. Wouldn't have enough room for all my books here. And he said this, Prayer breaks all bars, dissolves all chains, and opens all prisons, and widens all straits. That's a lot of all, don't you think? I'm in awe about that. All straits by which, God, by which God's saints have been held. God's saints. There are a lot of Christians walking in bondage because they haven't taken it to the next level yet. That level where, Lord, give me more. I'm hungry. Lord God, just use me. Increase, remove any blockage, show me if there's anything. David prayed, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. It's important that we let the Holy Spirit search us. It is. Not because we have to feel, oh God, what do you think of me? He already thought thoughts about you. Jeremiah talks about 29 verse 11, thoughts of peace and joy to give you a future and to give you a hope. You know, nobody surprises God. Did you know that? Maybe you were surprised by what I just said. But God's not surprised. By what we do. Why? Because he already knows it. He's in the past, present, and future. And so he's already prepared for those who have made a decision that they're ashamed of and wish they could redo. He's already prepared your comeback. 
He's already prepared it. So when we acknowledge things to God, it's not because God doesn't know. It's because God wants us to know, to acknowledge, and to humble, and, and just really confess, you know, our dependence for him, for his help. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Scripture says, they will be delivered. Hallelujah. You can be a Christian and still have chains on you. There can be demonic strongholds from the outside that try to grab a grip. It's time to take back the land. It's time to take back and say, devil, enough. And then cry out to God and say, Lord, search me. Whatever I did to open the door, I renounce it now in Jesus' name. But show me. And then cry out and say, more, Lord, more. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I want more of you. I want more of you. This is what the church needs. This is what we as believers need. And this is what the unsaved need to hear as well. That there is a way of escape. God loves people. I think the church is going overboard, you know, because they begin to look at everything from a natural stance. And, and then anyone that doesn't agree with what their values are, it becomes a bashing. It becomes a hate, a, a hate activity. And then rather than praying for your enemy... Rather than praying for these people who are corrupted, you know, we judge them, and then it just heightens everything. We need to stand in the gap. Right is right, wrong is wrong. But allow the power of God on your life to authenticate the message from God that you're speaking. Paul said, I didn't come in just words or deeds, but I came with the Spirit, a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know, when you lose the power and you lose the effectiveness, then you have to look at other things to take that spot. I don't want anything taking the Holy Spirit spot, God's spot in my life, my ministry, my message. I'm not going to choose political sides. I choose righteousness. What do you sing? Now, some of you will just go on a wild goose chase with that. Did you ever notice that Jesus never spoke against Never tried to change the world through politics. He knew the world system would never embrace him. That could have become a distraction. How many of us have become distracted? Yes, we need to speak the truth, but address issues, not people. Did you hear that? Address sin, righteousness. Don't take it personal. People, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The person's not your enemy. It's the demonic that is motivating and controlling people once they get set free. And revival will do that. The presence of God, the hardest of the heart of sinners, will be transformed in a moment in His presence. We need to stop depending on men to bring change. God is certainly ignoring the system as He is beginning to move across the land. We just need to get back to the foundation, get back to the basics. Hallelujah. It's not the technology we, 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 we have that's available to us, it's the word. It's the message. It's the message. In the upper room, they didn't have a band. They didn't have lights. They didn't have lasers. They didn't have smoke. You know, they didn't, you know, Hammond B3, I love that organ. It's a great organ. Pastor Peter, one of his favorite instruments to play with a Leslie amplifier. Now, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, so let me get back. But anyhow, it's not about everything we possess. Does it matter how good or bad we sing? Yes, there were in, in, in the Old Testament, the Levites were the professional praisers, and they were the musicians, and they provided the worship. But still, God's not looking to, what, to how it sounds here. He's looking to how it sounds here. Does that make sense? 
And so here, unstoppable faith, when we embrace this dependence, this mindset, Lord, as I cry for more, that means I need more faith. May it never stop. May it be unstoppable, ever-increasing. That's when you see what we're seeing now nationwide, universities catching the fire. In fact, I just have a few photos, seven photos. I'm going to show you by what's happening not only in Asbury University in Kentucky, but a few other places. Go ahead and let's put them up there for our, our pre-usual. This is a church where the Spirit of God began to move. It was an overflow from what's happening in Kentucky at the university. Pastor just crying out. Then one Sunday when he was the first one there turning on the lights, when he turned on the lights for his sanctuary where they worship, not a mega church, when he turned on the lights, he saw that haze going right up from back to front to the altar. There was no mist, broken pipes, right? There was no smoke machine, no laser shooting down the center aisle. The presence of God came and said, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for my worshipers. I believe with all of my heart, if our, God could do that here too. And I, I pray he does, because I think sometimes seeing is, is a really good encourager, amen? But even if I don't see, I know he's here like that, and he's waiting for us to respond to his presence. Look at the next photo. This is the Asbury University Chapel, where they've been holding the daily, nightly meetings. Look at that ray of light coming down on the two people praying. No smoke machines there, just the presence of God. And look at the thickness of people, the intensity. It's prayer. It's prayer. It's prayer. Next slide. These are the people who couldn't get inside. What's happening in there in the chapel has spread even to the multitudes outside. Why? Because God's presence and God's move is not confined to a place. It's about people. That shows hunger and thirsting. Next slide. Again, another show. Look at the altars. Look at what is happening. People repenting. Crying out to God. So there's, there's no preaching. Some will get up and share a testimony, but it's just right now God is infusing and, and, and He's letting everyone know it's me. So no one can take responsibility except Jesus. Amen? Look at the next slide. These are the lines then for the night services of people standing outside all the way to the entrance of the university making their way in. Go to the next slide. Look at the traffic on the road. You can't see the end. In fact, everybody's coming to the presence of God and look at the opposite side of the road. Nobody's leaving the presence of God. Once you encounter Him, you're never the same. Amen? Hallelujah. I think that was our last slide. And then another Around the altars, young and old praying, encountering. Sometimes people say, ah, why do we have that altar doing church? Well, that altar is what releases miracles, what springs repentance and changes lives. When we lay it here, what happens on an altar? Things die. The altar came from the Old Testament and they would sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, you know, a lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, pure for the sins of the people. And these are people who are laying their sins on the altar. And they're coming and they're kneeling. And those things are dying and staying at that altar where they belong. And they get up free, every chain broken, every bondage gone. That's what Jesus is about. And that's why we need revival. We need 
to prepare the way. We're John the Baptist, figuratively speaking. We're preparing the way for the Holy Spirit to fall. To fall. That's why. Don't treat Sunday as, as well if it fits into my schedule. Don't treat your personal times at prayer at home, in prayer at home, as well if I can fit it in. I'm a bit hungry. Do you want that or, or what you have now? Do I want that or what I have now? More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. That's what prayer does. Changes everything. Prayer attracts the Holy Spirit. And that's why he fell in that place at that time after Peter and John had shared their testimony with all of those believers. What do they want to do? Let's pray. Let's worship. Hallelujah. I, I remember when I got saved in the Jesus movement, uh, uh, you know, just God moving. And, and Wendy was part of my church in Jersey. Remember the, the all-night prayer meetings we had. People wouldn't go home. Holy Ghost began to erupt. Then they would have meetings in their homes and begin to pray. And the Holy Spirit was just, he was just like an uncontainable fire. Mm, I like that. How about you? God wants to do that. Then any place we go, that place becomes anointed because of the anointing on us. Look at how they respond, Acts 4.31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Now, they just weren't hoping for that. They weren't you know, configuring that in their own imagination. There was a literal, physical shaking of the foundations of that place where they were praying. And the place where they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They got filled again. Filled again. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see, when you shake things up here in the spirit realm, it demonstrates itself down here. God says he'll shake everything that can be shaken. That means he's shaking and breaking the influence of strongholds. That's where prayer in our own personal lives and as a church prepares the way for a New Testament, bona fide New Testament Christianity. God's supernatural. So he wants the supernatural in our lives and in our services. In fact, anything less is abnormal. Some people, they go, oh, but the Pentecostal church, you know, it's a little different, right? You ever hear that? A little different. You know what? If God walks into a church and to a place or a person's life, and don't confuse the move of the Holy Spirit with all of the gifts of the Spirit. The move of the Holy Spirit has changed lives, it's revival, and then as needed, God begins to move on the lives and hearts of people. And so if I'm sure somebody that saw me praying for people in the supermarket, they looked at me like, what is with this guy? That's normal Christianity. I prayed in tongues over people in public. Sometimes the people have no idea, what's that language? Some who are spiritual believers who know me as a pastor and ask, you know, for me to pray for them, they understand. So when people see what God desires to do, they don't understand. But you know what? As they see the results of the influence and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then the church gets bigger. I don't mean this building. I mean the kingdom of Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ. It's all about his kingdom. You see, there are many local churches 
and they have a name on them, and we're supposed to make sure it belongs to Jesus, right? But a lot of times when you see all the competition, competition that exists, then it winds up becoming man's organization. We just got to let go of titles. We got to let go of names and just one name, Jesus. This is the church of Jesus. Amen? And that's when the anointing grows and faith grows. Hallelujah. Look at what David says in 2 Samuel 22, verse 7 and 8. He said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. Then he, here's that word shaking again, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Not angry with people, but angry at what the devil is doing. When you shake the spiritual atmosphere, it can even manifest in the natural. In the natural. Just like that mist that you saw hovering in that one photo. The presence of God. When you deal with things up here, sometimes you'll see a natural manifestation down here. Hallelujah for that. We serve a living God. He's not mythology. He is truth. Hallelujah. He is the way. He is the life. Faith will shake the heavens. Faith breaks and destroys every stronghold when we release unstoppable faith through prayer. And when this happens, that's what changes the people. The book of Acts, church, they understood their purpose, and we need to learn from them. We need to do the same. If you look at Acts 4.33, look at the influence and the results of how God impacted them. It says, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You see, two things there emphasized, great grace and great power. Great power, great grace, but for one purpose, to share their faith in Jesus Christ with others, because they took what they received to the streets, and that's where God wants us. Everything God does is about purpose. We are given gifts from God for a purpose. What? To give to others. Look at what James says in chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. See, God gives to us so we can give to others. And so when He gives good gifts, it doesn't mean just so we can be blessed by this gift. We're given so that we can be a giver. That's what Peter and John did when they had no money. Remember, this is what caused this whole situation that they were going through that brought this great outpouring of the Spirit. They had no money, but they realized the gift of the Holy Spirit that they had been given. They could give to this beggar man, and I'm sure the beggar man would have chosen the restoration and healing of his legs versus a million dollars in his bank account. What good is a lot of stuff and a lot of things if you don't have your health. Amen? There are some things that money can't buy. But with God, if we'll keep Him first, we'll glorify His name. And we'll just say, Lord, again, search me. Just keep me open. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. Then what man can't do, God Himself will do and intervene on our behalf. I'm so grateful He does that, aren't you? God gives to us again so we can give to others. Unstoppable faith, unstoppable faith will empower us to give. And I'm talking about, again, supernatural giving that goes beyond the natural. This is what, again, Peter experienced. Acts 3, 6. He didn't give the man silver or gold. He gave him the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of healing flowing through him to bring healing to this man. In closing, 
It was prayer that shook the walls of Jericho. It was prayer that rattled the valley of dry bones. These just aren't stories. This is truth. No man could take credit for what God was doing. A life without Christ. Those that, and, and even as a Christian, if we leave Christ out, but those without Christ as well, a life that excludes Christ will never resolve the complexities of life they're facing. In fact, you'll find when we try to deal with situations without Christ, complex situations, we just complicate the complexity we're dealing with already. Jesus has all wisdom. He sees all. He knows all. That's why at times, and I encourage you, if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, ask God for that outpouring of fire. Because when you have exhausted yourself praying with your human language, your known language, and you've run out and you don't know what else to say, well, how many times are you going to say, Lord, please heal them, Lord, please heal them, Lord, please heal them, Lord, please heal them. When we pray in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of tongues, the Holy Spirit is bypassing our mind and praying through us and putting His finger on exactly what needs to be addressed. He prays the perfect prayer through us. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I pray in tongues more than any of you. That wasn't a braggart spirit. He was teaching. He was saying, hey, if you keep praying with your understanding, which is good, do it. But if that's all you do, you're going to run out of words. And there's still more to be addressed. Allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you and break and crush and dissolve that opposition, that struggle. Let the Holy Spirit, as you pray in the Spirit, deal with what's up here so it'll manifest in victory and freedom down here. Is that making sense to anybody? Hallelujah. Like the book of Acts Church, the Lord wants us to cry out for unstoppable faith. Unstoppable faith comes when we say, Lord, I need more. I need more. We are stepping in to a significant season. I didn't realize till yesterday this trip to Israel that we are going to be hosting. Do you know with the climate spiritually the way it is now? And then the timing of that trip, that trip is actually scheduled when the Feast of Tabernacles takes place. Israel is a key marker for what God is doing prophetically. And so when I, I look at how everything is piecing together, I just see the Lord is ready. We've had change in our church the past few months. We've had Pastor Nat blessed with a wonderful new position, but God took care of River of Life, didn't he? And Pastor Josh stepped down. It was a new season for another place for him. But our worship hasn't suffered. The ladies and the rest of all of the team, they're doing incredible, seeking God's presence and face for what he wants in worship that day. And then with Pastor Peter, he's not leaving the church. He'll just become a volunteer, which honestly, the strength of River of Life Church and the church at large is committed volunteers. Committed volunteers. I believe the age of the professional is quickly coming to an end. And God is piecing and putting together His entire church. So God's faithful. God's faithful. And He knows where you're at. Honestly, what I want to encourage you to do, if you really want revival in your life, 
You want to see God do something significant in this house from his definition of significance. Now, I want to open these altars. If you're physically able, I want to encourage everyone to come kneel, stand, lay prostrate. prostrate. You can pray along, kneel at the chairs that are in the front, but just come as an act of unity, an act of unity, and ask God to prepare your heart to open the windows of heaven over your life. Imagine taking that kind of anointing to your house, going to sleep, your kids being baptized. When our children were little, Cindy and I would walk through the house when they were in sound sleep. We'd lay hands on their minds. We'd lay hands on, on their head, they wouldn't even, and we just prayed in the Spirit. They didn't even know. So later, we let the cat out of the bag, or we let the Holy Spirit out of the bag, right? The bag of secrets until they were at that place where they could understand and appreciate and so you can do that with your, your home, the presence of God. Everywhere we go, it becomes holy ground. Something special is about to happen. I want to be a part of it. How about you? How about you? Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.